Here it is. Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris. They call me Chaus. Welcoming you back to another episode. Week 9 is officially underway. We had Thursday Night Football with the Green Bay Packers taking on the San Francisco 49ers. We got a full slate of games coming up on Sunday and Monday. Let's get into it. We have a lot to cover, a lot to dissect. So first of all, let's dive into Thursday we, I, I believed it was going to be a good game. The spread was seven points if in favor of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, what did we really expect that was going to happen? I mean, the San Francisco 49ers are decimated by injury. They hit, got hit hard with the COVID cases. It was contact tracing, so they lost basically all of their offensive firepower. Uh, we all know that George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo are on IR now with injuries. Uh, Kittle gone for eight weeks, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for the next six weeks. So, I mean, it was a tough, tough show that we knew it was going to happen for them. The Green Bay Packers coming off a loss. They did get Aaron Jones back in the lineup, which was a big boost. We saw it early on. He was carrying the rock, and he didn't look limited whatsoever. The calf injury looked very... Uh, very much non-existent anymore. So, I mean, Matt LaFleur definitely took the shackles off and he let his, his main back go. But the story of this contest was Aaron Rodgers. Mr. Aaron Rodgers, man, what did he do? He went 25-31 for 305 and threw four touchdown passes. Like, he had a day. Beautiful day by him. Uh, Devontae Adams on top of that he blows up as well he goes 10 catches for 173 and a touchdown Valdez Scantling he caught his only two passes for those two touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers but I mean it was it was a very good showing by the Green Bay Packers they definitely needed that after what they had endured against the Minnesota Vikings didn't look as sharp didn't look as good and that's the second time we've seen the the Packers stumble this season in the, in, 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 in the last few weeks I mean they got beat up by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then they within a couple weeks they they let down versus the Minnesota Vikings run game and Dalvin Cook so this was a good tune-up match for them as well we all saw it on the on the field Matt LaFleur was he looked head and shoulders ahead of Kyle Shanahan which is uh, uh, impressive in itself I mean LaFleur is the student of Kyle Shanahan before back in the day he used to work under his coaching staff so the student became the teacher lit him up 34 to 17 was the final score. I mean, if we want to highlight what the 49ers did, I mean, it wasn't great. Uh, Nick Mullins didn't look sharp whatsoever. Uh, Jarek McKinnon saves his fantasy day by scoring that late touchdown. He played decently, but the story was Richie James. You guys remember Richie James? This kid had a lot of potential, a lot of promise. He goes off. No other wide receivers basically in this game for the 49ers, and he goes 9 for 184 and one touchdown. Massive day for Richie James. He always had the ability. I, I liked Richie, Richie James. I mean, he had the speed. Uh, he wasn't going to juke anybody off the uh, off the route tree, I guess I should say. Um, but, I mean, it, it looked like he was improving. It looked like he, he definitely improved, I should say. But, I mean, the speed was always there. His issue on staying on the field had always been dropped passes i mean this was his main problem he he too many drops and he he found himself regulated to the bench um but i mean if if he can play i mean maybe they found another gem in richie james he can he can team up with brandon Ayuk and uh, debo samuel when they come out and you got a decent trio but i want to talk about jimmy garoppolo i really do so what do the 49ers do after this season? Because contractually, they are not hooked in to Jimmy Garoppolo for much longer after this season. They can get out from that massive contract with fairly little dead cap. The contract was front-loaded. So, I mean, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm definitely looking in another direction. I had a conversation with a couple colleagues and I, and I threw it out there. I said, what if, just what if the, the San Francisco 49ers go after Dak Prescott 
in the uh, offseason, in free agency. Granted, I mean, Dallas will have the ability to place the franchise tag on Jimmy or on uh, Dak Prescott, but that's going to be like 37 to 40 million, depending on what the franchise tag is going to be. So, do we see the Cowboys shelling out that one-year deal? Because I really, truly don't believe they're going to get a long-term extension done for Dak. Is that a possibility that he comes over to the San Francisco 49ers? So, I mean, we will we will talk about that when the offseason comes, but that was exactly what I thought after this game because when you see what they have, I mean, Nick Mullins isn't it. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't it. Bethard, the, the third stringer, he isn't it. So you're definitely going to have to upgrade the position. And, I mean, I've heard Sam Darnold rumors and all this stuff. But there's a lot of options. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is definitely going to want his guy. Maybe he moves up in the draft. We'll see. But it's an interesting thing. The 49ers are slipping. This is a big loss for them. Injuries are just piling up. The COVID case is piling up. And they're going to have trouble even making the postseason in this division. I mean, with Arizona and uh, uh, Seattle playing the way they are and the Rams still in the mix, I mean, the 49ers could find themselves in the basement of this division, which is crazy for a team that just went to the Super Bowl last season. So anyway, let's move on to Sunday. Big slate of games on Sunday. We have the Denver Broncos going to Atlanta face the Falcons. Falcons favored by four points in this contest. I struggle with Atlanta on the point spread all season. I'll admit, it is very, very difficult to understand which team is going to come out to play. And, I mean, I said it on previous shows. I'm very impressed with Raheem Morris. I think what he is doing with this club right now, he has them playing together playing more organized football. They look good. I mean, um, a greater improvement from what we saw under Coach Quinn. And, and I mean, maybe it was just he, he uh, overextended his stay as the head coach in Atlanta. Maybe that was the problem. Maybe they needed something of a changeup, and, and they look like they're getting it with Raheem Morris. So this is a good game. I mean, Atlanta is trying to climb back. I mean, their, their playoff hopes are definitely dwindling if they start losing any more contests. But minus four. If, if I'm the betting public and my, my uh, uh, point spread pick article is out there, so check it out. We are doing very well this season. Um, but this game I really struggled with. I really did. Especially with how Denver came out last week, came back with uh, Drew Locke showing his uh, moxie and taking his team back to beat the L.A. Chargers last second. That was a big one. It was a big one in the division for the Broncos. They are very much alive in this playoff race in the AFC. Ah, it was a tough one. It was a very tough one for me to 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 pick. I I went through all the numbers. I went through all the matchups, and I'm and I'm thinking that this game could really come down to a field goal either way. I'm not taking the points. That's for sure. Atlanta is going to be without Calvin Ridley. That's the big one. But they're going to throw. We know this. It's Julio Jones. Hayden Hurst is going to have a big day fantasy football wise. I truly believe it. He's ranked actually sixth right now in full PPR, if you can believe it. Hayden Hurst. Everyone was not as convinced as I was. I was back in Hayden Hurst. And if he had even more touchdowns, he could be up in the top three. Like, that's how good Hayden Hurst has been playing this season. Matt Ryan and company, I mean, I I, I could see definitely Julio Jones having a good day. Russell Gage is a sleeper pick this week for me as well. Obviously, with Ridley out, the the Broncos give up uh, some of the highest points to slot receivers. So watch out for that if you're in dire need of a wide receiver. Tim Patrick for the Denver Broncos. I'm all for. I think if he returns, he's supposed to come back. I think he finds the end zone. It's going to be a very difficult matchup for these uh, Falcons defensive backs to cover all day long. And, and I mean, Noah Fant, obviously, I think is going to be another mismatch as well. So it's going to be a good show. I think we could see a higher score. We could see a 35-28 game type deal. But I'm still sticking with the three-point uh, uh, victory for either team. I really am struggling to say who wins this game. Atlanta is at home, so I give them the, the favor there. But I think it's a three-point uh, contest Either way, whoever wins the game, but you do have some fantasy viability in there. Next game I have on the board is the Seattle Seahawks minus three at the Buffalo Bills. My Bills, okay? I'm taking fandom out. You guys know this. Fandom does not come into play in my evaluations, but the Buffalo Bills are going 
to get hammered in this one. I, 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 I just I can't sugarcoat it anymore. The Bills' defense has no idea how to stop Russell Wilson in this offense. With DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, they will struggle all day long defensively. No pass rush basically all season. Jerry Hughes of late has played very well. He has been getting pressure on the quarterback. But, I mean, you're going up against the the MVP candidate so far this season in Russell Wilson. No Chris Carson. That's a big one. I think Carlos Hyde will probably likely sit this contest as well. So fire up DJ Dallas fantasy football-wise. I think that's going to be another good show. I mean, he showed out. He showed very well last week. Um, I started him in the league last week, and I was happy. It was about 20 points, full PPR. So, I mean, how can you hate that type of productivity? And especially when it comes to, uh, I believe the Bills do not have Matt Milano in this contest. That's a big one as well. They did sign Darren Lee um, from the Kansas City Chiefs, so I wonder if he'll get some snaps. It might be a little too early, but that's a big one. I like Darren Lee for this defense. He brings some speed. Um, his issue was consistency, obviously, not making enough plays. Um, but in this in this Bills defense, I think he could have something of a resurrection. I think it's a it's a great sign for Buffalo. They definitely needed more playmaking ability at the linebacker position. And and you know what's clear about this defense for the Bills for me is the fact that we knew how good they were last year on the uh, pass defense, and that was predicated upon how well they were uh, uh, forcing pressure on the opposing quarterback. This year we haven't seen that, and this is why the the secondary is struggling. So does that mean um, the secondary isn't as good as we think? Is this mean that Trey White isn't as good as we think? I don't think so. I think these guys are still very good, but it's very difficult in a league that's very pass-happy to ask these guys to cover for five, six, seven seconds each play without them getting gassed by the fourth quarter and then it's it's lights out. But but the run defense is where the, the Hawks will take this first, and then I could see definitely a, a, a deep shots either to uh, Metcalf or Lockett uh, for majority of the day. As for the Bills offense, I see Smokey John Brown this week. I really do. He's been hampered with that injury, that calf injury. He had a knee. Um, and this is what's changed the entire Bills offensive approach. We haven't seen it since, what, week four? Josh Allen was one of the league leaders in passing yards, and he has completely fallen off because the deep shot isn't there anymore. Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, is not doing his job, in my opinion, because he's he's been figured out. It, it's clear to me. He's been completely figured out by the opposition. Anybody who watches film on the Bills know what they're doing. The creativity is completely gone. They've gone back to this vanilla uh, pace where you're just quick dumps, uh, Josh Allen runs, and then the the outs to Stefan Diggs. I mean, you need to mix this up. John Brown, this is the game, and it's it's very doable against a Seahawks uh, secondary that is gashed uh, through the air. I mean, they could definitely do this, and I really truly believe that they need to do it. Biggest problem, they got Jamal Adams back this week. The Seahawks did, and we know Jamal. Buffalo Bills fans know Jamal very well. He is one of the best safeties in the entire league. For what he can do on the field, he's a disruptor. He's a playmaker. He can be on the blitz. He can double cover. He's dissecting run plays. Like He's, he's great. He's fantastic. I love the guy personally as a player. I think he's absolutely phenomenal, and it's going to be a thorn in Josh Allen's side, especially when he's going to try to take off. So for my appetite, Diggs and Beasley will get their their catches, but I, for my appetite, you got to go deep to John Brown. You got to spread out this secondary. Use the screen game to your advantage to either Moss or Singletary. Get the run game going like you did last week, and and I think that'll that'll maybe keep you in the mix in this game. Um, but I think Seattle will just be too tough offensively uh, for the Bills to stop. I'm taking the Hawks in this one, and we do have lots of fantasy viable players going into that contest this week. Next one we have is the Chicago Bears taking on the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are favored by uh, six points, almost a touchdown. I don't like it. I don't like it because I took the Chicago Bears last week to kill the spread against the, the Saints, which was, I believe, five and a half points. The Bears are okay. I mean, they are not your flashy uh, offensive team that you want to see, but they looked better last week. They really did. And and they took it to overtime with the Saints. Nick Foles looked better. He was spreading the ball around. And I credit, I've, I've been a huge naysayer on Coach Matt Nagy, but I credit, I really do credit his ability to alter and change the system last week he spread the ball around we saw Mooney get involved we saw Anthony Miller get involved 
You know, maybe it had to do with the fact that Allen Robinson was coming off of that concussion protocol, but these guys looked good. Why not continue to to spread the wealth, spread the ball around? And when you're playing a Tennessee Titans team that is open to giving up big plays in the pass game, I mean, this is what you should be doing. Again, David Montgomery for fantasy football, he is the biggest question mark because, I mean, outside of full PPR, I don't know how you can play him week in, week out anymore. PPR points, he's, he's doing okay for you. He gets you any from, anywhere from the 10 to, to 14 points, so that's okay. He saves his day majority of the time in the past game, and I'm okay with that. But, you know, going up against this defense with uh, Jadavion Clowney and company who are very good at stopping the run, I don't like it. I, I, I don't like it whatsoever. I think Nick Foles is going to have to, again, manufacture everything through the pass game. And six points, I don't I don't like it. I think the, the Bears' defense is that good. I think that they can play extremely good football, and they're going to make it tough on these wide receivers. So uh, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. So from the Tennessee perspective, this is, this is a big test. I want to see what Ryan Tannehill can do. Um, we've seen from past contests, especially the one that comes to mind, is the L.A. Rams. We saw Malcolm Brown run the ball very effectively against the Bears defense. I called that one too because I, it wasn't, a, it didn't feel like a Daryl Henderson game simply because you needed that bigger body running back. And I think Derrick Henry will have a, a again, he'll have a good day. I don't, I don't foresee the Bears uh, stopping him and stifling him to have a letdown day. I just don't see it. I think the uh, they will stick to the ground and pound, and the way Tannehill or Tannehill will be able to uh, beat the secondary is going to be off the play action pass. I don't like uh, Corey Davis's matchup this week. I think this this is going to be a, a AJ Brown game. This could be a Jonu Smith game uh, sprinkled in with maybe someone else. But I mean, I I think that this game will be closer than the spread indicates. I think we do still have fantasy options on the table here, but we could see a lower scoring game. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it is in Tennessee. I don't like that aspect of it. But turnovers will play a big big part in this game. And Chicago, hey, I mean, they're battling. They they look better last week, and if they can continue that that prowess and that role i i could definitely see them keeping up and, and keeping the spread under six absolutely no problem about it next game we have is a good one we have the baltimore ravens minus two and a half at the indianapolis colts this is a big one this is a big one for the baltimore ravens and let me tell you why so last week they go up against the pittsburgh steelers lamar jackson um accounted for all four of the baltimore ravens turnovers that's a problem. I've been saying this since the beginning of the offseason. I really wanted to see how Baltimore was going to do this. I mean, we've heard the rumors. We heard the rumors in the offseason. Now we're all the way in week nine. The season's already half done. And they're still trying to attempt the same type of play. They're trying to make uh, Lamar Jackson something he is not. And we saw it. Pittsburgh's defense exposed him last week. He, he, he wasn't able to support his wide receivers. I mean, granted, outside of Willie Sneed having the big day, but it wasn't, it wasn't an impressive uh, throwing performance by Lamar Jackson whatsoever. One positive I do, I do take from this, which is very strange because it took the Mark Ingram injury for, for Coach John Harbaugh and company to get back to the ground game. We saw Gus Edwards take, I think, what, 15 carries, 16 carries. J.K. Dobbins, the same thing, 15 or 16, and Lamar Jackson around the same as well. They were well over 200 yards rushing, and that if they stuck to that even more and they didn't have the turnovers, they definitely could have beat the Pittsburgh Steelers because Pittsburgh left an opening for them. But going up against the Colts, the Colts have a very sound defense. I like this team a lot. I like it under Frank Reich because they're very well balanced, very well coached. The defense of the Colts is the, the, the prototypical bend but don't break. They give up touchdowns here and there, but they always find a way to make a play. And that's what I like about him. The defensive front is very good. Darius Leonard is again proving why he's one of the best linebackers in the entire NFL. You know he's going to have an assignment on Lamar Jackson. But I fully expect the Ravens to again, even though the, the, the Colts are good at stopping the run, I fully expect them to go ground and pound and just slam it down their throat. I expect a lot of J.K. Dobbins. I expect a lot of Gus Edwards this week. Gus Edwards is on my start-sit list. If you didn't catch it, it's out there on the website as well. Gus Edwards, to me, is that guy who is underrated in a time where he's in a fill-in for an injury. 
He's filling in for Mark Ingram. You know he's getting touches. You know J.K. Dobbins is getting touches. I like the start. I think you're good. Edwards, to me, is going to finish no lower than an RB3 with potential of being an RB2 this week. I really, truly believe it. When we talk about the Colts offensively, I'm a little nervous. Okay, I get it. Phillip Rivers has had two good games in a row. He's looked better. He hasn't necessarily turned the ball over and been careless with the ball in those last two games. His defense is helping him out. And now we see the evolution excuse me, of this, this running back room. Because I spoke about this, and I've spoken about this on other shows with the Fantasy Headliners as well, that it is a problem with Jonathan Taylor. This is a problem for me. I back Jonathan Taylor a lot coming into this season. I, I was excited, man. I thought, you know what, you're, and, and I wasn't alone. This opinion wasn't just me. But Jonathan Taylor, you know, coming onto a team like the Colts with Phillip Rivers, who is still easily uh, still has ability to play this game. We see it. We've seen it the last two, two weeks. He can still put it up. He's putting up 20-plus points a, a game fantasy football-wise in those last two games. But when it comes to Jonathan Taylor, I'm a little bit worried because the efficiency isn't there. My issue with Jonathan Taylor right now is – and I think I said it last week. I might have said it last week. I can't remember what show I did it on. But this is a big problem for me simply because I really believe he is trying really too hard to not fumble the ball. I think that's in his head. I think you can see it, though. It's not even just my opinion. You can see it on the film, on the games, week in, week out. You can see how hesitant he is to make any type of play, extra play, bounce the ball to the outside, make any extra cutter move. He's missing the holes. His vision is completely lost, and I think it all has everything to do with him trying not to fumble this ball. And for those of you who don't know, he carried the ball 900 times, had 18 fumbles in college. So this is the issue that I see, and now he, he's dealing with an ankle injury. I mean, last week we saw it was it was on the goal line. I believe they were inside the five-yard line. They give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. He runs right into the line, stuffed. They put uh, Jordan Wilkins in. They run a little uh, side out, and he scores. So what are we doing here? Why can't Jonathan Taylor do that? We saw him do this in college. What is going on with Jonathan Taylor in this offense? So when it comes to Phillip Rivers, I mean, I still have to also say that I am disappointed because he has not found his receivers like I thought he would. He's not supporting this offense like I thought he would. Last week we saw the Naheem Hines show again. He had two beautiful catches for touchdowns. What do we see this week against the Ravens? It's going to be interesting. I think this defense is going to give them massive headaches. I think Phillip Rivers hasn't seen a defense this good in quite some time. I see a lot of turnovers, and when Vegas is only giving me two and a half points for the Ravens, even on the road, I'm taking it. I'm taking it all day long. I love it. So, I mean, it's going to be a good game. We have a lot of fantasy uh, potential in this game, but for the Colts, I, I really struggle to start many of them. I mean, I'm likely going to sit Burton. I'm going to sit Phillip Rivers. I just I don't like what I'm seeing. I'm definitely sitting Jonathan Taylor this week. He needs to show me. And it sucks for for those, I mean, with bye week trouble, if you have no other option, I get it. I understand you have to play him. You drafted him where you did. But from from what I see, uh, for me, if I have a better option, I'm sitting Jonathan Taylor this week. Next game we have is the Carolina Panthers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. Minus 11 is where I had this game when I picked it. It's in Arrowhead Stadium. Christian McCaffrey is back. That's the big news. He's off the IR, off the high ankle sprain. Huge lift for the Carolina Panthers, who have been playing well. I mean, they've been playing well this season without him in his absence. It might take a quarter and a half for him to get his legs back, to get the game shape back. Everyone wonders, what's his workload going to be, fantasy football-wise especially? What is his workload, CMC, I'm speaking of? What is he going to do this weekend? For me, it's just like the Aaron Jones thing on Thursday Night Football. He got cleared to play late, and everyone uh, half an hour before the game, what do I do? What do I do with Aaron Jones? I was telling people, play him. He's the stud, man. If he's good enough to suit up, I don't foresee a player of this caliber being a decoy. 
Because, I mean, look, especially for, for Christian McCaffrey, he's been out since, what, week two, week three? You got to play him, man. You got to play him. Your season is on the line fantasy football-wise. You got to play this man. You picked him top in the in the draft, probably one or two overall. You got to play him. Play him and, and feel confident about it. I do. I do. If I got CMC shares, I'm starting them and I'm not even looking back. The only problem is they run into a buzzsaw of the Kansas City Chiefs who are a completely different squad. They are that good this year. All around. This this team is great on offense. They're great on special teams. And the defense is, is where I'm most impressed. They have taken another level of their play on the defensive side of the ball. And they look damn good. They look good. And now you have Teddy Bridgewater who is continuously struggling to feed DJ Moore. I don't get it. Curtis Samuel was a revelation last week, but I I believe it's a one-hit wonder. We may not see that happen again for another five weeks, but, I mean, Robbie Anderson is the way to go in this game. you got to hit the deep shot. you got to get it going, open up the field. Hopefully Christian McCaffrey will find those lanes. We Actually, you know what? We know Christian McCaffrey is going to find those lanes. So it will lift up the 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 Carolina Panthers but for 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 what I'm seeing in Teddy's game we saw it last week I don't know I I still can't get on board with what Teddy's doing I just I can't do it because it it, it just seems that he is not comfortable in in finding every weapon on the field with consistency that's how I see it and it's not a knock on Teddy because he's played fairly well in good matchups we've seen it he's played very well he supported his receivers, but it's not DJ Moore. And that, to me, is a big concern for this Panthers team because DJ Moore is the most talented pass catcher on this club. No knock on Robbie Anderson because he's that good too, but DJ Moore is your stud. And if you can't get him involved, there's something seriously wrong within what Teddy cannot do. And I've said it over and over. As for Patrick Mahomes, he had his five-touchdown day against the New York Jets, but, you know, it didn't feel like they had a lot of effort. And this is this is the difference. When we saw what Patrick Mahomes did in his 50-touchdown season, you could see the effort to make those plays. Now it looks just nonchalant. You know, he's, he's just chucking it up, touchdown. He's moving around, throws it, touchdown. I don't think we've seen them hit the, the fourth gear yet at all. I still think they're stuck in second, third gear, and they're cruising. They don't need to go no faster right now. Andy Reid has got this team moving at such a pace that it's almost like he's saving them for the postseason. That's what it feels like to me. Absolutely. We are week nine, and he is basically not even opening up the playbook. When if they're down a little bit, he's going to open up a little bit here, here, and there. They get the lead back. Okay, I close the playbook, and we go to a vanilla place and let Patrick Mahomes do his stuff behind there. That's how I see this team this year, which is very scary. Very scary as we get closer to playoff time. Because once they get into the postseason, I think that's when you're going to start seeing the Kansas City show take place. 11 points was a little high in this game for me, but I still took it. Uh, uh, No, sorry, I did not take it, only because Christian McCaffrey's back. I think with him in the fold... We could definitely see uh, Carolina keep up in this contest. We could see even a 10-point game, and and that would kill the spread. So I'm going on the under on that game. But, I mean, it should be good. It should be a good one. I am curious to see how far away the Carolina Panthers are in competing with a team like the Chiefs. Next one on the board is the Detroit Lions going to Minnesota, coming off that big win against the Green Bay Packers, favored by four points. In Minnesota, Detroit may not have Matthew Stafford. He went into COVID protocol. I believe it was because of contact tracing. So, I mean, that's a big one. Even if he comes back to suit up, this is a big one because now he didn't have the practice reps. Does a player like Matthew Stafford truly need reps? No, I don't believe it, but it could make him a little rusty. You don't have Kenny Galladay. Huge loss, in my opinion. We haven't seen Galladay much this season, and it's unfortunate. I mean, it really, truly is. I've been preaching up Kenny Galladay, the elite prospect of Kenny, and just injuries have foiled his season so far. Outside of that, I mean, if I'm the Detroit Lions and Matthew Stafford does not play, you're going to have to lean on this ground game. It's going to be DeAndre Swift. It's going to be Adrian Peterson, big time. I, I, I don't see how you go away from the run. 
I mean, unless it's a complete blowout early, you got to control this clock. You got to keep the ball out of Dalvin Cook's hands. We saw what he did last week. Just a monster show, monster day. Four touchdowns on the ground for Dalvin. Welcome back from his injury, from his groin. But, I mean, the Detroit Lions, their defense is going to have a hard time this week. I mean, especially if your offense can't move, by the time we get into the second half in the in the early stages of the third quarter, we could see a very tired Lions defense. That's a concern. That's a big concern. As for Minnesota, this is the game, man. This is the game you fire them up, fire them all up. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, obviously Dalvin Cook. I'm even in support of starting Kirk Cousins this week. I I think he's going to get back to it. You're going to see the play-action pass reopen up. Detroit has played well. I mean, Jamie Collins has made a statement for this run defense in Detroit. They've played very well in that respect. Not great, but they've played very well. Much improved. Much improved. So I think that we see Dalvin's going to have a good day. No question about it. Dalvin's going to have a very good day. But I think this is the game we get back to basics, man. This is play-action pass. This is Kirk Cousins feeding Thielen and Jefferson. It's going to be a good one. Going to be a good one from that regard. Four points. I am taking it. This is a very good game. Very uh, tough game for Detroit to stay alive. But this is all for Minnesota. Minnesota wins this game. They're right back in the mix. They're in the mix. And like I said, my colleague said, he uh, uh, EJ from last show, he said uh, uh, Kyle Rudolph spoke out saying they're not done. Even though they're trading away pieces, they're not done. The season's not over yet. Maybe he's right. Maybe Kyle Rudolph was right. I shrugged it off, but maybe he's right. Four points. I'm definitely taking it. You do have some fantasy options in that game as well. Shouldn't be complete blowout, but, I mean, if Matthew Stafford plays, it's a different game. I mean, maybe I will eat my words on that spread if Stafford's playing, but I'm still taking the Vikings at home in that contest. Next one we have is an NFC East divisional rival. New York Giants traveling to Washington to face the Washington football team. Minus 2.5 for the, for the Washington team. I don't like it, and I'll tell you why. So these teams, uh, these two teams met earlier this season. Um, it was a one-point show, very tight. Um, Kyle Allen, I, I don't remember what happened in that game. Did he get knocked out in that game? He might have. I can't remember now. But, I mean, Kyle Allen's back. I'm really looking forward to this contest from the perspective because the, the Washington football team is coming off the bye. The New York Giants looked very good on Monday Night Football against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, I've been talking about this this Giants defense a lot this this season. I mean, they've much improved with Blake Martinez and uh, uh, Bradbury. Very much improved. Very much different. So you're going up against the Washington football team now who obviously has that extra week of prep. Terry McLaurin, man. This is the big one I want to see because you know what it is about Terry? Terry is this guy that you see. He, he I've, I, you know me. I've been talking about Terry way before the draft, and this evolution even surprised me a little bit because he is basically, what's the word I'm looking for? He is basically unguardable. No matter who he goes up against, he's still making plays. That is impressive to me. That you don't see a lot of guys like that. That's in the category of like Julio Jones, Devontae Adams category. That's how good Terry McLaurin truly is this early in his career. When you have dedicated top-notch defensive backs shadowing this man and he's still able to put up 7 for 85 in a touchdown? Week in, week out? We don't talk enough about how good Terry McLaurin is. And I've been saying it for a long time. I think the scouts got it wrong when they let him fall in the draft. Washington got a gift at the placement where they got him. But we're speaking of Antonio Gibson now. I I like this, this matchup for Gibson. I was admittedly, I'll eat my words, I, I, I didn't dislike Gibson's talent. I just wanted to be sure. I wanted to see more play on the field. I wanted to see the consistency. I wanted to see the usage from the coaching staff, and they've definitely proven it. Gibson has been awesome. There's been some sidesteps, but, I mean, that's to be expected. But from what he has uh, uh, changed and altered from being that wide receiver conversion, I think he's fabulous. He, he's unbelievable in what he's doing. And as long as the growth continues, the maturation process is going to unfold beautifully. 
And even though the Giants defense has played very well in the run game, I could definitely see the screen pass working. I can see McLaurin and Gibson being the one-two go-to, sprinkled with a little bit of Logan Thomas. Definitely. Absolutely. For the Giants' perspective, I'm worried, but, I mean, it's it's because of Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, just he can't get out of his own way. He simply His problem is turnovers, turnovers and poor decisions. When he makes the damn throw, it's pinpoint. We've seen it how many times? Darius Slayton, Shepard, even Tate. When the pass is there, it's there. It's on, right on point, in the breadbasket. When he makes those mistakes, oh, it costs that team. I'm still going with the under because it could be a one-point, two-point game. Again, it's going to be very close. Defense will dictate terms. I love the front seven of the Washington football team, so I'm going to be watching that one very close. I may be wrong on the on the victor on this one, but it's going to be close either way. Next game we have I'm very confident in is the Houston Texans, minus 6.5, traveling to Jacksonville. Big word uh, was Will Fuller possibly getting traded this week because the trade deadline was on Tuesday. He didn't get moved. Green Bay was likely the one to uh, be vying for his services. But again, you had to pay $5 million remainder on his contract, plus give up likely a second-round pick, if not a first. Green Bay is not going to spend that. They're not going to spend that. And what that does, trust me, what this does for the fantasy football owners of Will Fuller, you start him and you don't look back, and it's not even just on matchup play. It's not even just on matchup play. This is a great thing when a player is, is, is rumored to be moved or shopped or listened about. If they don't get moved, likely with their talent, it's a breath of fresh air. Now he can go and play. Now he's going to go and unleash. I think Will Fuller has a massive day on Sunday against this Jacksonville team who who has really no viable playmaker to this point. I mean, I do like C.J. Henderson. I think he is a great pro, uh, project defensive back. He's a, he's a prototype. He's going to take some time. He's not a top-end commodity just yet. He's going to take some time. But, I mean, if, if, if Will Fuller... And we, we could have Brandon Cooks on him. So Will Fuller is getting the lesser coverage potentially. And and Deshaun Watson coming off the bye week, extra week of prep versus a Jacksonville team whose defense is is terrible. And on top of that, you're starting a, a rookie quarterback in Luton for Jacksonville. Do we know how good this is for Houston's offensive potential? Come on. This is going to be fabulous for the Houston Texans. If they can't do this. This is my my uh, uh, sidebar, my side note. If the Houston Texans cannot capitalize on this beautiful scenario coming off a bye, playing Jacksonville with a rookie quarterback, never taking a snap in the NFL. If you cannot capitalize and make this a blowout with Deshaun Watson feeding all his wide receivers, with David Johnson finally eating on the field, I'm out. I'm out. I won't. I will not support the Houston Texans anymore if they can't show it this week because that is a travesty, and I think it's ridiculous because this is a game you should steal and win and beat up. And Will Fuller, man, start him and do not look back because I could foresee a very, very good day on this Jacksonville defense. As for Jacksonville, the only player I can really play at this point. I mean, and it's because we haven't seen what Luton can do. I mean, could Luton come out and be a very good player? Absolutely. We've seen it all the time. Young guy comes in. We, I, you know what it's going to be for me? I think if he has any uh, uh, strong play at all, I think it's going to only last maybe half a quarter. And then they'll adjust. They'll see what he does well. And bringing pressure on rookie quarterbacks is t- usually the ticket, usually what you need to do, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to shake him up. So Houston, for me, they roll. I see this game not even being a contest. Um, if, Like I said, if Deshaun Watson and company can't get it done, I am out on the Houston Texans this year, and I might be out on Deshaun Watson altogether. So we will see. Next game is a pick contest. We haven't seen one like this in a long time. Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas oddsmakers are not even coming close to giving a spread on this one. They make it an even pick contest up against the L.A. Chargers. Chargers are coming off a disastrous loss. Let's start there. They were up, man. Justin Herbert played very well. But they let it go again. This has been essentially the downfall 
of the the Chargers for how long? It was it was like this with Coach Mike McCoy. It's like this with Coach Anthony Lynn. You, you, you almost feel bad for this team. They can't get out of their own way in crunch time to seal the deal. It's a problem. It's a big problem. But, I mean, on the positives, what can we talk about the positives? Justin Herbert is legit. He is playing absolutely phenomenal football. Of his, I believe, six games that he's or seven games he's played so far, only one contest has gone under 23 points for fantasy football. Fabulous. If you got him off the wire, you know you're basically playing him every week now. Keenan Allen, we haven't seen much Hunter Henry yet. I think he's getting used to his wide receivers. We could see more Hunter Henry coming down the down the wire. And I mean that'd be a welcome sight as well. Mike Williams is in the mix. But I want to talk about Troy Main Pope. This is what I want to talk about. Excuse me. I have Tromaine Pope on my high-risk, high-reward uh, play this week simply because I loved what I saw. I've seen him play uh, in previous years before, and you always take notice. He looks like a little bit of a Darren Sproles, a little bigger, a little bigger than Darren Sproles, but he looks the same caliber. Shifty, speedy, uh, quick cuts, juke moves, good hands. This is this is Tromaine Pope. And with how poor Joshua Kelly has been playing, I'm out. I'm legit out. I can't do it anymore. I've tried. I supported him. He had the opportunity. He had the system. No more Melvin Gordon. Austin Eckler goes down. I this is I was saying this is perfect. This is your situation now. Not that I'm cheering for Austin Eckler to get injured. But, I mean, he got injured. This opened the door for Joshua Kelly to run away with the starting role, and he just couldn't do it. Brutal. Just brutal. So, I'm out. I, I won't even pretend anymore. I'm out. I'm done. For now. <laughs> for now. But, I mean, I, I, seriously, for this week, I can't do it. I am sitting Joshua Kelly even on a good matchup against the Vegas Raiders who aren't great at stopping the run. I am, if, this is the thing. If I am, like, two and six or or one and whatever, what week are we in? We're a week nine. So, if I'm if I'm two and six, um, in in fantasy football, I'm I'm playing a guy like Pope in my in my flex or my RB two if I have buy trouble. You need a spark. You need a potential big day player. But I mean, this is high risk, man. So don't come back at me being like you know, Chows. You said you said play him. You said play Pope, and, and this is a high risk, super high risk, super high reward. But I mean, if he gets anything like he did last week. You could see, you could see that it's going to be uh, Justin Jackson taking the runs, and you're going to see the change of pace coming from Pope, and it, it's going to work. It's going to work because he has that change of ability that both Jackson and Kelly do not have. I like it a lot. I like them a lot. When it comes to the Raiders, I mean, okay, you're you're taking travel. This is a massive game again. We said about the the Chargers and Broncos game being massive. This one is huge for the both clubs because you don't want to stumble anymore in this division. The wild card with the extra wild card team coming this year, there's so many more teams able to keep going and and keep pace for a playoff spot. This is a massive one. Chargers can't afford to drop this one. That's for damn sure. If they can't figure out how to win games, I'm at the point you got to start thinking about Anthony Lynn's job at the offseason because he's not doing enough with the talent on this club. You need to bring somebody who can bring it all together and understand what it's like to win games. Look, Dan Quinn got fired for the same reason in Atlanta. You drop how many leads, you can't keep your job. This is what has to happen in, in, in the chart with the Chargers. If they can't, if they continue to do this, I mean, I like Anthony Lynn. He was good in Buffalo. I liked him. I still like the guy. But I mean, you need to have that killer instinct when the game is on the line. When you have a lead man, step on their throat and kill him. Done. None of this garbage. When it comes to Vegas, I mean, Derek Carr. I like it. I like Derek Carr in this game. I think he's a sneaky play. He's a good play. Um, Joshua Jacobs, I saw he is dealing with an injury. I, I don't foresee him to sit. I think he should be a go. Nelson Aguilar definitely disappointed everybody coming off the wire after he had three straight good performances. Maybe he gets back to business in this one, but, I mean, putting up a complete goose egg the, the next week. Obviously, it showed that teams were like, okay, we're going to put a little bit more coverage on you, and he goes to bed. That's Nelson Aguilar's career in the NFL in a nutshell right there. But, I mean, 
I, I would like to see a breakout from Henry Ruggs. If, I, if I'm looking for anything in this game, this is what I'm looking for. But, I mean, as it is for the game, I'm picking the Chargers to win this game, being pissed off and and taking the lead and, and moving forward with that. So next game we have is the Pittsburgh Steelers getting a gift of a matchup going to Dallas to play the Cowboys. They are minus 14 points, two touchdown spread. Don't remember the last time I've seen the Pittsburgh Steelers have a two touchdown spread on anyone, but it's definitely warranted here because the Dallas Cowboys are hot garbage. And I mean, it sucks. You feel bad for Dallas Cowboy fans. I really do. I feel bad for Dak Prescott. Your team was moving the ball very well offensively. Dak goes down and here's the, here's the problem. I said bench Zeke Elliott last week and I was on point. Anybody who didn't listen, you should have listened. This is going to be disastrous for Zeke Elliott owners in fantasy football. He has only two games out of the remainder of the season that will give him any chance at uh, uh, good point totals. He's going to be 10 points and under for the rest of the season outside of the two games, one against Cincinnati, one against Minnesota. Outside of that, you're not going to see it. And on top of it, we see him creep up on the injury report. Zeke Elliott I'm talking about. We see him creep up on the injury report just, what, today? On a Friday? Really? And Coach Mike McCarthy is saying, oh, we're going to get Pollard in the mix now. Zeke's done. Not in skill. Zeke still has tons of skill. He's not washed by any stretch. He's just done this season. He's checked out. He's out. The minute Dak went down, the next game they tried to play with Andy Dalton. He was still he was still trying. And now you can see he's like, nope. And I don't blame him. I get it. You're a paid professional athlete. Keep playing with high effort. But this team is so bad. They are not going anywhere. So Zeke has checked out and said, you know what? I am not going to put my body on the line for this club. And I can't blame him. I really, truly can. So if we're going to now see a timeshare with Tony Pollard in the backfield, hey, that's good for Tony Pollard owners. I've got Tony Pollard in some dynasty leagues. I'm happy about it. I want to see what he can do. And it's not like he's going to replace Zeke Elliott, especially if, if Dak comes back next year. No question about it. Zeke will be back, and he's going to be a top three running back. This year, like I've been telling all the listeners who've been asking me, what do I do with Zeke Elliott? I said, trade him. You have no choice. And I know it sucks selling a top-end pick for scraps at this point of the season, but you need to find either that team that wants the added running back depth on their roster for the postseason, the ones that are on top, that's who you sell to, or you find a, a, a team that's on the cusp of missing the playoffs, you package Zeke with something else and you try to get value. Save your season. Uh, that's that's the best advice I can get. If you hold on to Zeke, you're, you're you're likely, and he was your top running back, you're likely missing the playoffs. Unless your team is constructed with, like, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, then you still have a chance. But you're not going to get out the value what you had. So either you're playing the wire, you're keeping Zeke on the bench, or you trade him and flip him to somebody else who's willing to take him with a package deal you can offer somebody. That's how I would play it. I've told uh, told a lot of cats this, but that's how I would play it. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, this is a great game for them. This is another tune-up game. They're coming off of another win. They're going to be undefeated still after this game. What is that going to be? 8-0? Unbelievable. Pittsburgh looks great defensively. Absolutely phenomenal defensively. Bud Dupree and TJ Watt look phenomenal. If you haven't caught a Pittsburgh game, you're missing out because those two are rushing like madmen. And then you have the secondary just playing baller lights out. Lights out. And we now, everyone who questioned Big Ben, how can you question Big Ben? He's done this so many times. He comes back from injury. He's leading this offense. He's got new playmakers. And it's like, it doesn't matter. I'm Big Ben. I can, I can find these guys. I'm so, if you got uh, Pittsburgh Steelers uh, players, fire them up, man. Fire them all up. You got Juju, start them. You got Deontay Claypool, stardom. You got James Conner, stardom. No question. Big Ben could have a top three fantasy day this week. I love it. I am taking the 14 points in this game. It's crazy, but there's no way I see with, what, Cooper Rush now playing quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. There's no way in hell he competes with the Pittsburgh uh, defense. Uh, it's going to be another very long day for the Dallas Cowboys, for the Dallas Cowboy fans, and Jerry Jones. He's going to wish this game ended before it started, unfortunately. 
Had a lot of questions on what do you do with Dallas Cowboy wide receivers. This is a tough one, and I mean, it's just it's very strange to me that whenever any other quarterback comes into play, they start looking at Michael Gallup. And I, and I think it's he's the easy target. His routes are not complex. He's just the the quick in or the 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 wide receiver screen, the the button hook. He's he that's kind of his 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 around with these young guys. Maybe a couple of shots deep. We've seen that a couple times. But I mean, Amari Cooper's routes they they take a little bit more time. I mean, he's more the timing guy, right? You need that chemistry, and that's why we're not seeing that involvement. For my appetite, I mean, I cannot start Amari Cooper, and that is sad. When you can't play Amari Cooper, that's when you know the Dallas Cowboys have big, big troubles, and, I, and I'm and i not touching it with a 10-foot pole. CeeDee Lamb potentially saves you with a touchdown garbage time, maybe, maybe. But, I mean, I don't see enough from Cooper Rush. It's going to be just like with uh, ben, uh, DiNucci. Uh, last week, it's it's going to be virtually the same type of performance. You're going to see turnovers, you're going to see sacks, and you're going to see lack of productivity from Dallas. So any Dallas Cowboys uh, uh, fantasy owners, I mean, you're in tough for the rest of the season. Unless Cooper Rush, like I said about Luton and Jacksonville, unless Cooper Rush comes to play and he shows us something. I don't hate Cooper Rush. I like Cooper Rush as a better option than I did Danucci, that's for sure. So... We'll see what happens. I'm rolling with Pittsburgh. I think they have a great day. Miami and Arizona in the desert. Minus four and a half for the Cardinals. I like this game too, man. Arizona's coming off the bye. They're going to be fresh. Kyler Murray leads one of the best passing offenses in the entire NFL. DeAndre Hopkins has made a world of difference, obviously, for this offense. He is unguardable as well. One of the best wide receivers in the entire NFL. He is putting up points for you week in, week out, masterfully. It's awesome. Uh, Kenyon Drake is out for this contest. We all know that high ankle sprain, but they said it's not as bad as they had uh, worried or thought about when he went down, went off with that cart. Luckily, the bye week came when it did, gave him an extra week of rest to hopefully come back the following couple weeks. But this is the Chase Edmonds show. I'm excited for this, and it's because we saw it last year. We saw what he could do, and that, that, that Chase Edmonds game was huge. He scored multiple touchdowns. I foresee the same thing happening this week. Don't get it twisted with what Miami did with Tua against the Rams. That was that was an anomaly. The Miami Dolphins are truly pretending right now. Okay, they really are. They had Tua in there. His game wasn't great. Yeah, it was his first start. I mean, he didn't even get over 100 yards. He threw his one touchdown pass to Parker. That was Parker's only catch of the game. So... When you sit here and tell me, well, how the hell did the L.A. Rams lose to Miami? So I don't know if you saw. Of course, number one thing is west-east travel. Okay? That's a long flight for the Rams to go. Okay? That's number one. Number two, it was like 100 degrees different on their sideline, the the Rams sideline, than it was the Dolphins. I think it was 140 to 80 degrees. They were dying. The Rams were on that side of the ball, on that side of the field. This took out everything. If, if you think that doesn't impact how a player is feeling, how a player, if he's exhausted after just two plays, that, that takes everything out of him. Then you, then you add the mistakes, and then the defense of Miami, credit them, they capitalized. They capitalized on every opportunity, every mistake that the Rams gave them. That's why Miami won. Now you go to Arizona, you come with a fresh Kyler Murray. This is going to be a beat down. Okay, I'm curious. I'm still going to leave hope for for Tua. I mean, again, he's being thrown to the wolves, man. You got Buda Baker, you got Patrick Peterson. They're going to be there. Buda's all over the field. He's turned into one of the best safeties in the game. Tua's going to be having a hard day. No Miles Gaskin, he gets injured. So now you have to rely on, I think I saw Matt Breida isn't playing as well, so now you're on uh, Patrick Liard and Jordan Howard. Brutal. I, I like Jordan Howard, but he is not going to be able to carry this, this the load after being a healthy scratch for how many weeks now? It's going to take him a quarter or two to get his, his game legs back. And then you're trusting a rookie passer to carry this club against Arizona who's firing on all cylinders? No way. Minus four and a uh, four and a half points, 
You start Kyler, obviously, DeAndre. I'm playing Kirk this week as well. I think he has another good day. He's starting to evolve in this offense, offense, which I like to see. This is what you wanted to see. Christian Kirk finally break out. He doesn't have to be the big, heavy eight reception guy. Three catches, 55 yards, two touchdowns, one touchdown. This is Christian Kirk. This is going to be how it's going to be. Six catches for 60 yards, no touchdowns. We can see those days. But if you're utilizing this team, DeAndre Hopkins is your go-to. You sprinkle a little Larry Fitzgerald in the mix as well. Now you're starting to throw a little passes, dump passes to Chase Edmonds, who looked very explosive uh, the last couple or last week, the last time they played, two weeks ago. He looked so explosive. And, I mean, I've seen him play before. I didn't see that explosion come off those legs, and it looked phenomenal to me. I'm excited for Edmonds this week. If he doesn't show out well, that's a problem because, I mean, this is your job now to steal from Kenyon Drake. I want to see it all. I think it's going to be very good. As for Miami, I really struggle to play anybody offensively until I see more from Tua um, that he can actually support the wide receivers in this in this offensive uh, uh, performance. I'm, I'm not really comfortable playing any of them at this point. Sunday Night Football, we have a glorious showdown between the New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees, and Tampa Bay, and Tom Brady. The touchdown record continues to flip-flop between these two. Um, one game, it's it's Drew Brees, he gets it back, and then Tom Brady kills it the next week or, or that same week, just different times of game. So Tampa Bay disappointed me. We'll dive right into this game. Tampa Bay disappointed me on Monday Night Football in how they played against the Giants. That was a big one. I didn't like how they played whatsoever. But, I mean, again, they still they were making mistakes. They were inefficient, um, but they still won the game. Okay, And if it wasn't for the uh, Antoine Winfield uh, no penalty pass interference in the end zone, we would have went to overtime. And that was pass interference. I don't know what the refs were seeing. But now we have Sunday Night Football. We have Tom Brady. He has a new toy, the return of Antonio Brown to the NFL. We get to see Antonio back. I'm all for second chances. Let's go. He had some off-field troubles. He went a little bit crazy. We saw all the sideshow that was Antonio Brown. Fine. Second chance, man. Let's give it to him. Let's see what he can do. I was on record. I mean, I wasn't in favor of them signing Antonio because you had all these weapons. I'm a huge Tyler Johnson supporter. I think Tyler Johnson doesn't get near enough uh, targets, near enough credit for what he could do. You're still using a guy like Scotty Miller when Tyler Johnson could be a beast on this offense. Beast. Believe me. And look, whenever you see Tyler Johnson get passes from Tom Brady, what happens? Good things. Touchdowns. Big plays. Broken tackles. So nevertheless, I mean, they sign Antonio Brown. That's cool. That's cool. I'm playing him this week. I don't know if you are, but I'm doing it. Why not? It's a risk. Sure. I've seen and I heard people say, you know, you're crazy. You're crazy, Chris. How can you play Antonio Brown? We don't even know how many snaps he's going to get. Of course, Coach Speed comes into play. Bruce Arians says Antonio Brown is in some of the best shape we have ever seen for a wide receiver not playing in the league for this long. It's Antonio Brown, man. It's not like he's 35. He left the league in his prime. You knew he was going to continue training and making his body right for the the game. You knew he was going to come back eventually. I'm curious about this one. I'm curious about to see, okay, so even if he say, let's say they play what? They have 65 plays on average Tampa Bay approximately this year on offense per game. Even if we see Antonio Brown play 30 to 40 of them, that's a good share. You know Tom Brady's going to try to look for him early. You know Antonio Brown is going to try to be getting open, getting this ball. You know he is. First couple plays that he steps on that field, the jitters go away. He's going to go right back into full-blown A-B mode, and you know he's going to make plays. When I'm seeing high-risk, high-reward, I can see easily five catches, 90 yards, one touchdown with the potential of two. That's what I'm seeing from Antonio Brown this week. It's crazy. I know. I have nothing to base that on other than this is his return. Tom Brady wanted him. Tom Brady has him at his house right now, staying with him. He's obviously close buddies with him. You know they're playing catch in the backyard at Tom Brady's house. You know they're trying to build that chemistry. No question. 
I like it. I'm I'm playing him. I think Mike Evans takes a little bit of a backseat again. We might see that red zone again. Maybe he goes four catches, three catches, 20 yards, and gets a touchdown as well. Gronk might take a backseat, but I'm going Leonard Fournette in this one as well. Rojo is on – this poor man is on the shortest leash I've ever seen a human being have, and that's simply because of, of fumble troubles and drop passes. There's no trust there. Bruce Arians will not trust this man. He will give him the opportunity. If he makes one mistake, he's riding the pine. Leonard Fournette is the better back. He's the more trusted back, and I foresee Fournette being the guy this week as well. As for the Saints, Drew Brees was a question mark. He is playing. Michael Thomas, we get him back this week. He is playing. That's a huge lift for this offense. Huge lift for Alvin Kamara. Now he doesn't have to deal with stacked boxes. Michael Thomas is back in the mix. We haven't seen him since week one. What a disaster season it has been for fantasy owners. Michael Thomas right here. I have shares of him everywhere as well. I have been suffering. Somehow I'm still alive in many of these leagues. But, I mean, now we get him back. Hopefully this is a big thing, man. We could see a peppering right off the bat. We could Just like the Antonio Brown uh, opinion, we could see the same way go for Michael Thomas. You've been out for so long, it's time to get you the ball back. I like that. Alvin Kamara gets a massive uptick, even though he doesn't need it. He's been playing lights out every single week. He is uh, on the verge, uh, if he continues at this pace, to break the uh, total yardage uh, for running backs uh, ever. He's, 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 he's just killing it in yardage right now. He's been a beast, absolute beast. Jared Cook, I'm still in favor of that as well. He gets his his natural five, six targets a, a week, and, and some of those targets go in the red zone. So, I mean, he is very safe tight end, very safe floor at this point. I didn't see if Emmanuel Sanders came off the COVID list. That's something to watch. If he gets in the mix, I mean, I, that would be glorious for this offense. You get Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders back at the same time going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who you beat in week one. This is a big game for Tampa Bay. Don't get this wrong i don't know how vegas has the buccaneers favored at four and a half points granted it is at home i get it how are you favoring them by five points on a massive division game this is a three-point spread man you wanted to earn money from the betting public you give it a three-point spread and people would be confused you would have bets going all over the map i'm taking the saints not to necessarily win but there there's no way tampa's covering five points we did see a trade. The, the, the Saints did get Quan Alexander from the 49ers. Stroke of genius by the, by the New Orleans Saints. They gave up a low-rent uh, draft pick to shore up a huge problem that it has been on this defense. Covering tight ends, huge problem. Huge. Stopping the run in certain situations, big problem. Quan's going to come and fix that. He didn't fit in in San Francisco. I mean, you had the emergence of Fred Warner, who is playing balls out in San Francisco, and now you got to trade for Quan Alexander because he just didn't have a role. It just didn't fit. I think he comes into to New Orleans, and I think it's going to be a, a great fit. He's going to fit in with Davis very well. Improve this defense that much more. Tom Brady, watch out. You will not have a lot of time, and you're going to have to be looking all over the field. I, I can't wait for this game, man. Sunday night football, New Orleans Saints uh, and Tampa Bay, Drew Brees and Tom Brady? Get ready, baby. It's going to be good. I love it. I love it. Monday Night Football. We go from Sunday night having one of the best games in the, in the, of the week to a potential snooze fest on Monday Night Football with the New England Patriots, Cam Newton, facing off against Sam Darnold, New York Jets. Patriots are favored as seven points currently coming off that disastrous loss against the Buffalo Bills where Cam Newton fumbled the ball last, uh, what, 30 seconds left in the game. He was trying to make a play, set him up in field goal range, send it to overtime, potentially score a touchdown. He fumbles the ball. This isn't your dad's Patriots, okay? I've been witness to this for 25 years. This is not the same team, okay? Bill Belichick is trying. We, we give him credit, you know? Cam Newton's going to be pissed off. He's, he should be pissed off. But, I mean, is this his fault? All of it? No. Protection has been lousy. There's been... Finally, okay, fine, you got Harris now starting to pick it up in the run game, but he has no wide receivers. Myers was his top target last week, and he looked good. But, I mean, you have a problem. You have a big problem in, in, in New England right now because you don't have enough talent. Julian Edelman is still on the shelf. 
You're not utilizing James White like I thought you would have. I don't get that one at all. I don't understand why Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels are not integrating James White into this offense, a.k.a. the way they did in Carolina with Christian McCaffrey. Why aren't you doing the same thing? He's got a very similar skill set, man. Dump, dump the ball to him, get him in open space, and let him make plays. Run the ball with Damian Harris, and you're good. Play some defense, you win games, even by three points. I don't get what, what New England's doing right now. Cam Newton, though, you know, the, the question mark was, how is Cam Newton still a free agent this long? And then when he signed with New England, how does Cam Newton sign for a league minimum like that for a quarterback of his potential and his ability? We're seeing it. Okay, I was supportive of this move, though. I thought, watch out, you know, Cam Newton, he's back. He's angry. We're going to see a different Cam. It's the same Cam. The throwing motion, even on some plays, you watch it. It cocks back, especially when the throw is errant. Rewind your, t- uh, your, your TV, whatever you watch it on. Watch when Cam misses a pass, especially over the middle intermediate. When his arm cocks back... it's weird. It's like, it's like a stutter in his shoulder and then the ball completely goes, uh, uh, without velocity. It's crazy. I thought he was over the shoulder issue. Maybe he had to adjust his throwing motion that much, but I mean, it's so apparent to me. And I mean, I see a lot of quarterbacks scout a lot of them. And I mean, I've been watching cam for years since he came in the league. He definitely is not throwing like he used to. And I mean, this was the problem that he had in Carolina when he hurt his shoulder. I mean, the throwing motion was completely altered at that point. He couldn't even throw the ball. Now it's surgically repaired. Is he playing different to kind of uh, string it together to hope that it's going to happen? I mean, I, I there to me, you lose one more, obviously you're out. You're done. Season's a wash. New England Patriots will have a high draft pick. You know Bill Belichick. He can turn the whole ship around in one year. We know this. So unless Cam Newton goes on an absolute tear, I think it's one and done in New England for him and potentially a career because, um, yeah, it just it doesn't look the same for Cam. And you feel for him. You wonder if he would have played better with more weapons. You really do. But the, the key in this game, obviously, it's the New York Jets. They are not anything of high competition. The, the Patriots should be able to get by this club with ease. Um, I, I totally foresee Harris having a big day. Cam should rebound um, uh, more running than passing, obviously. But, I mean, I I see the New England Patriots dominating, dominating. Seven points. I think I took this spread simply because it is the New York Jets, and, yes, I did. I took this spread. I'm taking seven points. New York, what are you fighting for? What do I want to see out of New York at this point? I want to see something. Looks like Jamison Crowder is again going to miss time, which sucks because, I mean, I was super high on him coming into this season simply because he was going to be that PPR feaster, and he, he showed it, but he just can't stay on the field. I believe it's still his groin or knee. I can't remember. He's got some ailment he's dealing with. It doesn't look good for him to suit up. Uh, Mims, the rookie, I'm curious to see if he can play any better. We'll see what that goes. But, I mean, again, you got P. Ryan, LaMichael P. Ryan, and Frank Gore. I don't see much going against this uh, defense in New England. If I'm if I'm doing anything, I'm starting Harris, potentially starting White, starting Myers, and sitting Cam. That's how I got to see it. So, I mean, there's not much else positives uh, you could say. Uh, because New England is going to be in for a world of hurt. But, I mean, there you go. That is week nine. We have a lot of good show uh, contests, I should say, on the horizon. It's going to be a very good day. We are doing very well on points spread. I believe we are 15 games above the 500 mark, so definitely check out those. We love to help everyone make that money. It's a it's a good thing when you get extra money in that bank account, so, I mean, do that as well. Start, sit, waiver, wire every week on the website. Uh, check out my work with the Fantasy Headliners as well. We're doing great stuff over there. Shout out to those boys because they are like family. Love those guys a lot. So, I mean, on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. Give it a follow. To all the listeners, thank you, as always, for all the support. And until next week, stay humble, stay peaceful, and take care of each other. I'm out.